0: From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
1: This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Previewing the Steelers and the Lions this coming Sunday at Akershore Stadium, the final preseason game of the 2022 preseason before the real thing starts September 11th against Cincinnati. Still some things to figure out on the defensive side of the ball, though, if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, For the most part, you know who the stars are, and they're established. Uh, I think defensive lines established. You know where you're going to get from them. Outside linebacker spot. ...is established, but that's just simply because what else is there to to talk about. Depth-wise, of course, there's still some battles being raged. I was going
0: to say, you you might want to put a little asterisk next to that outside linebacker Well, are you worried at all that Highsmith might not be ready to go come week one? He's
1: He's not been around at all. It's been
0: about three weeks now we've been without Alex Highsmith.
1: Yeah, and that's very concerning. I guess silver lining, though, is that it's given the opportunity for the guys fighting for that third spot and that depth spot a chance to play as a number two. You've seen a lot of Tuska. You've seen a lot of Delonte Scott because you've had to see a lot of Tuska and a lot of Delonte Scott. Not so. what you want. No, but it's it's better to do that in the preseason than it is sure. to do that in the regular oh, yeah. season. So they've been getting a, a decent go against some starter caliber players, especially in that Jacksonville game. So that that should help as far as trying to identify who that number three outside linebacker is going to be. But yeah, Alex Ismith hasn't been around for camp at all. Hasn't played in a single preseason game. Uh, He's not on the injury report, at least that I can see right now, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Hmm. So maybe he gets a couple of runs in the Detroit game, but you're playing with fire there because he's already been injured so much. Do you want to risk him injuring something again in the last game that doesn't count and have him miss a couple of weeks in the regular season? Is this just going to be one of those things where he just can't get healthy throughout the entire year? I don't know, but it certainly is not trending in the right direction when it comes to Mr. Highsmith. so... The two at the top are set in stone if they're both healthy. but Health is a question mark, not just for Alex Ismith, but TJ Watt has had some health problems throughout his career as well. And nothing serious, but stuff that has kept him out at least a game or two uh, year to year. So, Starting-wise, outside linebacker is as solid as it can possibly be. But once you get past those first two, and we're already kind of past those first two two, are we We're into it. Yeah, we, you are beyond it, it. It's extremely troubling, and it's going to allow a lot of guys to key on T.J. Watt even more so than they were if— Just last if year Highsmith's when it was out. Highsmith was, yeah, was, if, was healthy, absolutely. If, if it's Delonte Scott or if it's Tuzar Skipper—Tuzar Skipper—Derek Tusca mm-hmm. I mean—
0: I mean, one of them the same almost, right, when like you talk
1: about him? There's just no reason to have to do anything but single-team him whenever it, it, uh, he rushes. That's an easy one-on-one matchup. So now you're asking your defensive lineman to do the heavy lifting as far as take attention away from, from TJ. And they can do it, but when you ask another unit to do something extra, that means they're taking away from something that they need to do. You saw that with Minka last year a lot. So Absolutely. I don't know, man. It's just it gets real thin at that OLB spot, and the thin is
0: happening now. We're seeing it firsthand. So I have two thoughts on this matter. The first is I made this point earlier this week on a previous episode of ours. Remind you a lot if Alex Highsmith is not healthy, does not go out there to start week one. Remind you a lot of the situation last year with Cam Hayward on the defensive line. Cam Hayward had such a great season. And many consider it to be the best season of his career, earned All-Pro first-team honors. But you have to think, was it because that he was left with nobody to play beside that he just knew it wasn't in his DNA to just let, to put up his hands and just say, oh, well, that's it on this season. You know, the defensive line isn't going to do anything. I'm going to do my best, but what is my best really without my teammates? No, Cam Hayward shows just how valuable he is to the, to the team and how great he is for the league without anybody playing beside him because he had his best season playing with nobody. I don't know if T.J. Watt can do that as as well. I mean, obviously he won Defensive Player of the Year last year, but a lot of us in Pittsburgh were saying Cam Hayward had just as good, if not maybe a slightly better year just because of the people he was playing with. So is T.J. Watt capable of having that season with without Alex Hyth Highsmith playing opposite of him, guys like you mentioned, Delonte Scott, is he going to be able to to, to step up to the task and, and, and fill basically the hole that's opposite of him? The second thought I had was maybe it won't be that bad, right? You could say devil's advocate. You can always say that. Devil's advocate, it won't be that bad. T.J. Watt will be able to, even if Highsmith is out and you got guys like uh, Delonte Scott filling in there, Derek is good filling in there. He can he can say I don't care who I'm playing opposite against. I'm gonna still go out, strive for 20 sacks per year, strive for defensive player every year. It doesn't matter who my teammates are. But I could also look at it and say, well, look at the help that he has. Maybe not at the outside linebacker position, but the guys playing in front of him. He'll have Cam Hayward there. Hopefully, you know, under the assumption that they're all gonna be healthy, right? He'll have Cam Hayward. He'll have Tyson Alualu. He'll have Larry Ogunjobi. That's a lot. I mean, a lot the better. guy had yeah. 22 and a half sacks last year with just Cam Hayward on that defensive line. So I understand what you're saying is opposing offenses are going to game plan around T.J. Watt, which they would do regardless if it's Bud Dupree or Alex Nismith, whoever T.J. has at his availability. They're going to always they're going to always game plan for T.J. Watt. But when you have Cam Hayward, and Larry O, and Tyson all rushing into the pocket, you can't tell me that T.J. Watt's going to be the only one guarded, right? When you have those other three guys rushing the pocket, T.J.'s going to get some some holes in there. So maybe now with an improved defensive line, it won't be that big of a deal if if it's not Alex Highsmith playing alongside T.J. Watt.
1: Maybe it won't be, and I hope that what you just spun there, your, your optimism comes to fruition, I really do, because that's what the Steelers need to have happen if they want to be successful there. You know, as we were talking about OLV, I was thinking, like, the only position group that I think is really set in stone right now is the defensive line. I mean, you're going to have question marks at inside backer, we'll get to that in a second. You're still kind of figuring things out when it comes to your corners, although I think for the most part that's pretty much established. The safety position, you have three of them now, And I think it's not so much as who's the two that you're going to use. It's the we're going to use all three. It's just how are we going to use all three? So there is, aside from that defensive front, a lot of moving pieces and a lot of things that still need to kind of be figured out if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. And that worries you a little bit because, again, you wanted some of this stuff to be figured out by the time you got to this Detroit game so that you can use this Detroit game as either that dress rehearsal or you didn't really even need it with your starters because you know uh, what you're going to get from them. Uh, I think you should see a lot more of that big nickel package coming out against Detroit. Let's see how it works. Put three safeties on the field and take one of the linebacker, inside backers off the field, most likely Devin Bush, uh, and just just see ride with that for a couple of, of downs and see if that's really a feasible option. I, I think that it is, and I think it's worth a try. But... You're sacrificing some size there, no question. When you take away an inside backer and you put out three safeties and have one of them play that de facto hybrid safety linebacker role, you have the personnel to do it. Now let's see it actually be done in a preseason game and, and let's see if it's uh, a viable option, if Edmonds can get the job done in that role, if if Minka can get the job done in that role, whoever it is, uh, let's just see it firsthand now. I think that's that's the biggest key.
0: Yeah, Tom, I think even though we're a little more confident in the defense compared to the offense, I think there are more question marks as a whole on the defensive side of the football. Hmm. Yeah.
1: I mean, other than offense for, for the line, reasons you pretty just, much know who's going to start
0: on that. the reasons you just stated. I mean, the depth at outside linebacker that the starter, the potential starter opposite of miles jacket, inside linebacker, the question of how many times or how often will you go nickel or dime because of the lack of confidence you have in your uh, inside linebackers and then the size of the guys that you're going to bring in in your dime packages if you choose to move up Terrell Amunds, if you choose to move up uh, Justin Lane as a box kind of guy. I, I And then, again, if you're playing devil's advocate – Say you have another season-ending injury to your defensive line, no matter who it is. You're better to prepare. You're better prepared for that
1: this year, for sure.
0: You are, you... but again, I do think with the reasons you stated, we're clearly a little more, well, not maybe a little more, but for different reasons, we are just as concerned about the defense as we could be the offense this year. I think Demonte Casey is going to end up being one of the better signings from this
1: offseason. Uh, I think he kind of flew under the radar a little bit when it the happened. The guy? The guy led the league in interceptions. I know. A no, he's years a legit ago. safety. Uh, led the league in interceptions with Atlanta. Then was with Dallas. Dallas last year, um, and played a lot for Dallas and was a decent player. So, guys, established NFL player. No question, he was going to make the fifty-three man pretty much from the jump. Um, if anything, it just allows you to have better depth at your safety position where you really hadn't had it. Your depth was so bad at the safety position last year that Trey Norwood, the seventh round pick, had to play a lot. And he did a good job for a seventh round pick, but you for don't want to have to do pick, that. Right. Yeah. Now your depth is a lot better where Norwood slides down more. Um, You got Carl Joseph still, uh, although he got injured, so he's not going to be around. Yeah, you'll but, see. It'll be. But you, Miles so, my point is, you signed and, yeah. guys like Joseph. You signed other guys to fill out that spot. And now you have depth there, and that's good. But. It's kind of funny, like you did that probably thinking in your head, okay, this will be good to have enough depth when you bring KZ in as the number three, but now it's almost like, wow, I am super grateful we did that because we're going to have to play all three of these guys, and if it was Killebrew as the number three, that's not as an attractive uh, proposition as putting Edmonds, Casey, and Minka on the field at the same time. That's three legitimate safeties throwing out there playing a lot of the snaps, so... I think K Z is just a big signing that kind of flew a little bit under the radar compared to the other signings this offseason. But he might have the most impact of any of them. Maybe aside from Mitch.
0: Yeah, I mean, he came latest, right? He came in early ish May. He just after right in, after man. Mitch was signed, after Kenny was drafted, after Pickens was drafted, after Mason Cole and James Daniels. Daniels yep. After May- after Miles Jack was signed. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I think People were really high on the early stage for the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the early stage of free agency. KZ kind of came in that third or fourth really wave of free agency. Like you said, he led the league or co-led the league in interceptions, what, three years ago with yeah, Atlanta? Atlanta, he had nine picks, I think, that season. So that's a, that's a ball hawking kind of safety right there. And-, and now, again, this is now just a guy who is not a former, se- former seventh-round pick in Trey Norwood. I don't even know um I'm kind of blanking right now on the Killerbrew background but whatever the background is for Killerbrew I mean he clearly KZ is far better suited KZ um, sorry Miles Killerbrew was just drafted with in the 4th round with the uh Detroit Lions and now has just landed a spot on this team but here you are with a guy like KZ able to be your your third string safety and this is a guy who As we pointed out, had a good tenure with Atlanta, had a good year with Dallas last year, is used to being a starter. And earlier this week, Tom, when the press was allowed to be in the locker room, was interviewing some guys, he was asked, how do you feel about this? Coming Coming to Pittsburgh, being the third guy, he goes, I'll do whatever this team needs me to do. I have no problem with it.
1: Easier said than done. Sure. We've seen yeah. guys say the but same, like, would the right thing it? and
0: then move on to the wrong thing when the season actually plays out, but he's going to play a
1: lot. But that's would you hate
0: it if his play is up to par that maybe you just kind of float him into that second string safety and maybe bring Terrell down? No, I think that's, that, I was actually just going
1: to go there. I think that Edmonds isn't exact. I think he's going to start this year as that, you know, my head pops up on Sunday night football and I tell you, I went to Virginia tech and I'm Terrell Edmonds and, all that jazz, but I think he's going to definitely get pushed by Casey at times this year. I think he was pushed by Casey during the training camp and preseason process. What I think is really going to end up happening is you're going to see all three of them out there more often than not, because I just don't think they have the faith in that inside linebacker room. Now, my fear, if you go big nickel dime, um, put a lot of safeties on the field is that you're going to have Minka tasked with being the guy that comes up and stops the run and he becomes just that run stopper and that that hybrid linebacker role that he was in last year that really limited, limited him from doing the Minka things you need him to do, the ball hawking nature, the playing of that center field better than almost anybody in the NFL. Now with KZ, though, it's interesting because you can have Edmonds creep up and play in the box a little bit, be that run supporting safety. He's big enough to do it was featured in backs on backers drills towards the end of camp too, so you know that in their mind they're thinking that. KZ's a really good player in that center field in his own right, so maybe he can take on a little bit of that center field role, albeit less than Minka, and then Minka's just free to do whatever he wants. Blitz, come into the box to stop the run, take, where- take Martin Andrews one-on-one and man coverage. Like He can just be the complete Swiss Army knife that you wanted the at right. the beginning. when you Which is
0: where him. he excels the most. And the and the and the easiest, right? That's that's that is where he's most comfortable playing his game.
1: And think about this against Jacksonville, we saw him come on a blitz. He mm-hmm. didn't get home, but he forced Trevor Lawrence to throw an in incompletion because he came clean. When's the last time you saw Minka come on a designed blitz like that? You didn't. But now I mean, that you I have Casey and yeah. Edmonds, you can have those two drop back in the secondary, and you're safe. And all of a sudden, you have Minka coming off the edge like a Troy Polamalu. So. He is more open to do a lot more freelancing, and that's what you want him to do. And Matt Williamson brought up a good point about that too, and I I just touched on it with the Mark Andrews one on one thing. Who's to say that Minka can't just take Andrews for an entire game? Your 89 is yours. Take him. Man-to-man coverage the whole game. That's kind of something that he can do. Like when he was in Miami, he was one of the best slot corners in the entire NFL. If they wanted to put him there, if they wanted to put him at safety, he was so flexible, so... You want to line him up against a really good receiving The Saints come to town, and Alvin Kamara is in town. Hey, 41 is yours, 39. Just take him all game long. You can do that now with the guys up. like yeah. KZ back there because you can say, KZ's going to take care of center field this game, Minka. He's going to be your safety valve. Don't worry about him. He'll ball hawk. He'll clean up things that get through to him. He, he's <laughs> established and good enough. We need you to take Kamara out of the game. We need you to take Mark Andrews out of the game. Our linebackers can't do it, but you absolutely can. And do it a lot better than most teams' linebackers would do it who have sufficient linebackers to cover guys like that. So I love the flexibility this potentially gives Minka, and that's why I think that the domino effect from bringing in KZ is, is just such a massive signing.
0: Absolutely. I mean, the reason he wasn't able to do that is because he was playing next to Terrell Amens, Trey Norwood, and Miles Killer. And the defensive line was atrocious, and right. the
1: linebackers weren't helping. So he had to run support every single time. And there weren't three safeties last year. Like, Norwood played but he wasn't good enough to be on the field uh, three safeties at a time and have Edmonds or Minka go into the box to help stop the run so he had to fly up and run support all the time and it was a, it was it was a shame to see him be put into that box when you're safety but before he, but what was good to see is that even though he was put in that box he excelled at it right. he led the team in tackles
0: well that's what I was going to say when you're free safety this is a guy who is the the position is designed to allow him to do what he wants Read the, read the field, go to the target where he thinks either he needs more protection or where he thinks the ball is going toward, and he has that freedom, right? It's in the name. When your free safety is leading your team in tackles by the end of the year, that means he's not free to do what he wants.
1: Well, it's time to talk about the elephant in the room now. You know, we've been pushing it off all this time, but the reason why we're talking all this big nickel dime yep. packages is because of that inside linebacking room and how just below par it's been throughout camp so far, and number 55 has a lot to do with that. He He just doesn't seem to be taking that step back to what he looked like his rookie year. And the weird thing is is we kept making the excuse – Um, And I don't want to say that we were stretching for this excuse. I think it was reasonable at the time. But that knee injury just did something to him where the um, second season he gets hurt, he was starting to kind of look like that rookie self before that Cleveland Browns game happened and that injury happened. Then he just never really was himself last year with recovery from that knee injury. But we gave him a pass because, you know, sometimes it takes a little bit more than just getting over it physically you have to get over that mental hurdle when it comes to an injury like that, especially when you're cutting all the time like a linebacker does. But that's just dead and gone now. Like, it's two years removed. There's no reason to not think that that knee is, is 100% because you've been playing on it for a full season now and an off-season of training, and you haven't had had any setbacks that we know of. So yep. it's, it's a fully healthy knee again. And you kind of see the speed still there. Like, he still looks fast as he was. He still... Looks like he's got that athleticism that made him a top ten pick and a great player at Michigan uh, in college. But there's just it's just something intangible that you can't put your finger on and apps actually say like as a fact is wrong. it just when you look at it, the eye test tells you that something's not all there. He's not he doesn't look like the complete package that you saw when he came out of Michigan and you saw his rookie year. You know, it's like that quarterback it factor thing where you could just tell Kenny has it. He looks like he belongs. It's lacking for Devin Bush right now. He doesn't look like he belongs.
0: Tom, again, I feel like we're just beating a dead horse here. We're we have because the
1: dead horses that we are beating with the O line and the inside linebackers are going to be the reasons why the team loses this year. And straight up, I'm not trying to be you know a downer, but that's just those are the two biggest flaws. And I know you're breaking in a new quarterback or a rookie quarterback. But the reasons why they'll struggle this year is that O-line and the it's inside backers. It's not because backers. of themselves. No, it's themselves.
0: not. No. Not because of the mistakes they can make. It's mistakes they may be forced to make because of the poor offensive line play. But here you are. The inside linebacker is the green dot guy. The green, the inside linebacker is the... Is the captain of the defense. Right. Well, he, Cam's the captain, but you know what I mean. The play caller, the quarterback. He's the one who barks out any kind of audible that needs to be made or any kind of adjustment that needs to be made for whatever audible the offense calls. And, and it's got to you...
1: be that inside backer. Arthur Motz has told me a thousand times, you can't make it be a TJ, you can't make it be a Minko, because the inside backer is in the middle. He can communicate to all the corners on the left and the right side. If you have TJ on the left side, how the hell is he going to have to run over to the right corner and communicate the play, then run back to his spot. So you need it to be that inside backer. It's got to be Jack or Bush.
0: I have no problem with it being Jack, but the fact that we've come in year in, year out since Devin Bush has arrived. Right, the fact is... that this is a thing. Right, the green dot. He has dot. not been able to. Right, this should just be. It's the guy. It's this guy, and that's it. Yeah. And until that guy is off the team or retires, then it's someone else. But the fact that we've had this conversation year in, year out, every year that Devin Bush has been healthy is an issue. Yeah, it's. I'm kind of sick of talking about the green dot. I mean, it seems like it's such a, a
1: minutiae thing to to care about, but when it just keeps happening year after year after year, it's it's just getting tiresome. And I think it's Miles Jack's dot for sure. I think he's going to have it. Tim Benz talked to people from Jacksonville when the signing happened, though, and they said Jack is better when he doesn't have the green dot and he can just be free to be Miles Jack. Uh, when you have to make him a communicator around the defense and make him really think the game for not just himself but the other positions on the field, he can kind of get bogged down to that and you can lose some of the stuff that makes him great on the field uh, when he's doing that stuff. So. I don't know. It's another another year where you're kind of between a rock and a hard place when it comes to this green dot. Uh, maybe Miles Jack takes it and runs with it. And for the next three or four years, Miles Jack's just your green dot guy in the middle of that Steelers defense. But they desperately, desperately, desperately needed Devin Bush to take pr- pretty much every rain you can imagine when it came to inside back. A green dot guy, run stopper, great in coverage. He, he needed to be an all around star. You don't trade up to the top 10 to get some guy that's just going to be a a middling player. You need a star at that point. And unfortunately, I I think the ship of him being a star has sailed. If anything, you're just hoping for an average NFL player that's serviceable. He can
0: still be a serviceable guy, but... The player you thought you were getting with the 10th overall pick. He's gone, man. I, I really believe that. And I, I hate
1: to say that because I was a huge fan of the move to trade up for him. Absolutely. I think—I
0: don't think anyone wasn't a fan.
1: Loved watching him play at Michigan. Thought he was a great player there. Um, one of the best players in college football that year. And like you've said countless times, Dale Lawley said countless times, it's not like the Steelers had this high grade on Bush that no one else did and traded up. If he didn't get, if they didn't trade up for him, he was going to get taken in the next couple picks anyway.
0: So he had the pedigree, right? Say he wasn't the Sealers were what eighteen or nineteen that and they year moved to ten. They, they moved with up to ten. They moved to ten. But next. it wasn't that he was going to. They they moved up because they feared he was going to go. They, they yeah. knew he wasn't. Gonna he wasn't going to be take eighteen that or fall that. Maybe far. he wasn't going to be taken at ten, but eleven or twelve, maybe even thirteen at the latest. He was going to be gone. So as yeah, it's a. It's a really harsh reality to come to terms with because this is a guy who you expect to be a difference maker. It's the first time you had a top 10 pick in what? Over a decade. Well over a decade. Yep. And it's now four years later and you're thinking, well, either he's not going to be on the team or if he stays on the team, remains on the team, it's going to be because of a team-friendly deal and he's got really no other option to go to. And he's just going to be a placeholder until the next guy comes in.
1: You just start thinking about that B word too, bust. And yeah, you, I, uh, you don't want to hit that switch yet, and you want you desperately push that off as long as possible because people are trying to hit that switch with Bud Dupree, and look at how wrong they turned out to be. Right.
0: He's the furthest thing from so a bust. you maybe hope you maybe hope that with the best teammate he's had since he's joined the Pittsburgh Steelers, with Miles Jack, maybe it's the Bud Dupree TJ Watt effect, right? It took Bud Dupree a couple of years, but once TJ, basically by TJ's second year in the league. Is when Bud Dupree kind of started to to compliment T.J. Well, and people were were saying, "Oh, well, maybe Bud wasn't a bust. So maybe this is the first year, right, where where T.J. had seven sacks. The only year the only year of his entire career, T.J. Watt, where he didn't have double-digit sacks was his rookie year, and he still had seven. Mm-hmm. Right? Maybe this is that year where, okay, you bring in Miles Jack, and you team with you team with Devin Bush. Okay." He's not nearly as bad as he was last year. We're seeing some progress. Let's let's give him another chance here. Let's bring him back on like a, a short extension, and then you start to see the chemistry build. That's what you have to hope for because the player that you drafted, that guy is gone, but there's still a possible version between where he is now and where he was then. There's a good in-between that can still be reached. It's also not to say that Robert... To talk about Robert
1: Spillane, you can't say that he is playing so well that he's playing himself into this competition. Bob Spillane just isn't an NFL starting linebacker. And the fact that he is so entrenched in this battle with Devin Bush and they haven't officially moved him down to number two on the depth chart and they keep them at number one on their official depth chart, both of them, that just tells you how much Bush is struggling because there's no way – if I gave all the Steelers coaching staff truth serum, they would say that they want Robert Spillane to take the job and be their guy who's on the field a majority of the time next to Miles Jack. There's no way. They wouldn't be talking about the big nickel or the dime if he was. They would just say, well, forget Bush. We're just going to go with Spillane, and those will be our two linebackers. So it's not like this guy who's pushing Bush is some you know, hardworking Mac guy that's finally putting it all together in like his third or fourth year and becoming a, an established player in the league. He is nothing more than a special teamer and a help in the run support uh, on early down linebacker on that you sub into the game. So the fact that he is still sticking around this competition and, <laughs> I mean, I, there might be some temptation to start him week one against Cincinnati just because of how poor Bush has looked. Sheesh. That is
0: a very big indictment on Bush more than it is credit to Spillane. Absolutely. I, I know Wolf is a big fan of Spillane because of his splash plays ability, I mean, his rush, his, his packaging in the run... And the run block, but really, I mean, I'm not going to give a guy a helmet and give a guy a starting job just because of a couple of plays he's made in his career. Yeah,
1: so he makes three plays that are really splashy and pop,
0: but then what about the 12
1: plays where he's being burned in coverage and they're getting first downs? Right, Dale
0: Alley pointed pointed it out when uh, the Steelers were running uh, a drill during training camp one day that the Steelers ran back-to-back plays where it was a wheel route to Anthony McFarland and they did so because the first time the coverage was on Robert Spillane. And they said, well, that worked. And then whoever was that quarterback, it was either Mason or Mitch. They read the pack. They read what the defense was, how the defense was formed. They said, oh, it looks like Bob Spillane is on Anthony McFarlane. Again, they ran the same wheel route. And again, went for. I think they both went for 20 or 25 yards. Well, you're going
1: to see both Bob and Devin in this game for some runs. But the guy I really want to watch in this preseason game is number 93 and Mark Robinson, and I think he's going to get a yeah. lot of run. And maybe even sprinkle him in there with Miles Jack just to see. You're not going to play him in the regular season at least early, but let's see what it looks like when the game doesn't count. You know, if, if he goes out there and looks like a fish out of water, guess what? Game doesn't matter, so it's not going to hurt you in the standings at all. But this is the chance to maybe experiment with that, and that's the siren song of the desperate, huh? Let's experiment with the 7-day pick at the inside linebacker spot. It's just, it's not where you want to be.
0: I mean, what was it? Who was it last year? It was Jameer Jones, right? It was, um. Train Sha- wood. I mean. Sha- uh, Shakir Brown was in that secondary at one point where people were really giving him a lot of credit. It's just what you have to do. You have to say some guy sometime, no matter how late in the draft, is going to hit. And you got to hope it's this guy. But Mark Robinson actually has a great chance. Given the the, the state lack of the of yeah right talent in front of him yeah. right there's really only one guy who's got a job locked in and that's Jack. Miles Jack,
1: so definitely see some Mark Robinson. It's going to be interesting too when we do our episodes next week after Tuesday to see who's out there because teams are going to make their cut downs to fifty three, and you really hate to go dumpster diving. But you kind of need to go dumpster diving to fill some spots on the Steelers roster. So maybe maybe some inside backer comes out that you didn't expect to be there, and you snatch him up and, and give him a go. Again, you don't want to do that, but they're singing the siren song of the desperate. Right. And they're desperate at a lot of these spots. So we'll see what uh, comes to play when the uh, Lions game wraps up on Sunday and final cutdowns are made around the NFL on Tuesday. That'll do it for this episode, though, of the Steelers Standard. On our next episode, we'll switch gears and take a look around the NFL, take a look at the scoreboard for the final week of the preseason. And who cares about the matchups in general? But we can just give a nice little summary of the teams. Why not? There might be a little surprise coming your way as well the return Ooh. of an old favorite. So make sure you're tuning into our next episode for sure. He's Jacob Recht. I'm Tom Offerman.
0: And this has been the Steelers Standard. Getting ready to take on spring.